So I want to tell you what um, we're going to do the next couple weeks. I was uh, praying, and I want to have fun. So if y'all don't want to have fun, you're going to be um, a little bit upset the next three weeks because I don't want to be sad. I want to be happy and excited, and I love y'all. And, and I want y'all to know this. I love us. I love what God's done. I love this house. And so um, the more I was studying and praying through, I just really felt like I was supposed to cover our four points in three weeks. And so don't get nervous. Today's only one of them. I'll let you know when we're covering two. It'll be twice as long and y'all can just stay over. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all will get that later. But I'm super excited because I really believe God's given me something. So this is what I want to give y'all a picture of, of what we're going to do. I feel like a lot of times when you give like culture points or stuff like that, and it can be for business, it doesn't matter what it's for, it sounds really good and it looks good on a wall, but sometimes we need to put skin on it and know how to do it ourselves. If y'all know what I'm talking about, say yes. yes. That's what we're going to do, and I'm super excited about it. So, on Christmas services, you will see these out on the tree. Am I right about that? Out on the tree out there, you will see these. I'm excited about this. Can I just tell y'all something? I'm going to speak in faith right now. If I'm crazy, I'm crazy. Y'all can figure that out. If you haven't by now, you're not going to figure it out yet. I just believe God's going to do something really significant in our church in the Christmas season. I just believe it. Just believe it. I don't know if it's you or not. If God's talking to you right now, it's you. If not, it's not you. But this is not just to pay off our land, but we're going to use it to pay off our land. But I want y'all to know this is kingdom expansion. It's bigger than that. And I'm going to teach on it before I leave here because God's really put it on my heart in one of our four points. It's not today. And we're going to talk about it at the end of service. But I just wanted to put it on y'all's radar that the 23rd, that that service, that we're going to take up a, an offering as a church. And I just believe that God's purpose for our church, we are still, I believe this, we are still in seed form and we've just sprouted. That God's going to do something that is so significant in the life of our church that people are going to be amazed by it in years to come. And I believe y'all get an opportunity to sow into some pretty good soil, and I'm pretty excited for it, me and y'all, because I'm sowing. Y'all can believe what you want to. If, I, if, I, if we're the only ones to say amen, I'm going to say amen to that. Come on, sister. Jesus, we're going to do it. But today I'm excited because we're going to re-look at what we're about. Someone say, this is us. We're going to talk about it. This is us. When God put on our hearts to plant this church, God put on our hearts that we were to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of the kingdom of Christ, and that we would see and experience life change or the culture begin to shift as a result of that. And then we introduced to y'all what we believed were our culture points, and our culture points, one of them is we believe God. Pretty simple. And on the surface, we believe God kind of sounds like, well, I hope so, right? You a preacher. <laughs> Who else would you believe? I said this kind of during the, right before I prayed, but I don't know if y'all know this or not, but saying we believe God, putting it on a sign is awesome. It's awesome, and we should. But how many of y'all know that actually believing God, meaning if God says, I do, is a lot harder to say than it is to do. How many of y'all know that I'm right about that? Some of y'all may have never been asked to do something, but you're going to. You're about to get stretched. You're about to get stretched. This is why we're going to have fun today. Because I believe 
that believing God and walking in faith is learning God's, say that word, rhythm. Learning God's rhythm. I don't know what y'all think about when y'all think about rhythm, but I think about things. I think about rhythm. How many of y'all are good dancers? Let me see. Y'all don't have to lie. I know we're a church, but we dance in this church. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all are good dancers? You should be raising your hand. You're a good dancer. Who else? Miss Dillard dances. Some of y'all dance, right? Some of the guys that didn't raise your hand, you're right. I've seen y'all. I've seen y'all try to dance. I'm the kind of person, I don't see any of the boys I played ball with growing up. They, some of them come here. I was the guy in the locker room growing up that all my boys, on, when I was playing for Burns, all the boys in the locker room, they put some music on. Don't worry about what music we were listening to. Back in the day, young people, y'all don't know Tupac, but that's what we were <laughs> Huh? Coach Fowler knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I would start dancing, and I'm, I like to dance. It just ain't real good. Right? I mean, I like to believe I have rhythm, but it's bad. I mean, it's, it's so bad, it's awful. And they'd laugh and cut up, and I just didn't ever care. I'd just still dance and get after it. But it frustrates me that some people just naturally have really good rhythm. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all that do have really good rhythm, we're frustrated with you. Because I just don't, I mean, it's just, I want to. And I know this about dancing. I know that Lee and I have been to, I don't know how many weddings I've done now, 50-something weddings, and a lot of them have dancing. And inevitably, uh, my wife, who is a dancer, she, she would like to dance. And I always, Josh, you got to say amen to this one. I always try to think about how I can get out of this. Not because I don't like to hang out with Leah, because I really like to hang out with you at the movies and stuff, but just not maybe dancing. Because I feel dumb. Because she's good and I'm not, and so I end up tripping and all this stuff. And I'm like, you're supposed to be following me. I'm supposed to leave, but I'm not good at this, so how does this work? Right? Because I don't know why I think of this if you're old like me. Uh, old enough to remember this at least. Life's a dance. You learn as you go. Sometimes you lead. <laughs> don't worry about what you don't. I, I despise country too, by the way, just so you know. But, but that is how it feels like that life's a dance. Here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. Life is like that, except that I always take the role as the bride of Christ. Listen to me. I'm never the bridegroom. Excuse me, I am that. I'm never the groom. Jesus is that. So in my life, as I'm walking and learning how to walk in rhythm with God, whenever I try to take the lead in this cooperation that me and the Holy Spirit walk in, because he is operating inside of me and inside of you, but I am not the leader if I am fully submitted to God. We are walking together, and that is the point of this Christian life. But when I try to tell my bride how to do this, and I have no idea what I'm doing, then I step on her, and she... she obviously feels frustrated, but she's nice. Luckily in this relationship, she's the nice one. But, but in the opposite extreme, I'm supposed to yield and I dance with a partner that's a whole lot better at it than I am. Is anybody awake so far? This is going to help you if you'll lean in. The problem is when it feels like 
from, from this perspective, now I am alpha. I think a lot of y'all know this about me, but I am absolutely, I know what I want to do in my life. I, I know where things want to go. So when things start wavering off and I, I, I don't have this in my brain, Jesus, we were going down this path and we were dancing good and this was all good. And I'm all about following your lead when I know what the end is going to look like. But when I don't know what the end's going to look like, I don't know how to do this square dance thing. That's a little bit weird. I like slow dancing. Let's keep it slow. As long as I can keep it in. And, you know, we're not going to get outside of this because I got not much rhythm. So just make sure that I can keep it here. And then all of a sudden you want to pick the pace up and you want to do things that I'm not ready for. And I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Rhythm. You know, you know what I think so interesting about rhythm is um, it, it has a lot to do with muscle memory. If you know sports, I do, and you just got to go with it because I'm deciding what to do, so praise the Lord. <laughs> Basketball was my favorite thing in the whole world, and I'm talking about I slept with a ball growing up, loved it so much. I mean, I'm not kidding you. My dad's here, and he can attest to this. If it was snowing, then I was getting a broomstick and knocking down the ice off the net, but I was going to shoot ball. I was going to figure out how to shoot ball. And going through school, I'm going to get you to throw it, not yet. Going through school, that's all I did, y'all. I mean, I practiced and I practiced, and I got cut in the seventh and eighth grade on the basketball team, and it broke my heart because, y'all, I, I, I literally did not try to do anything else. I didn't dream about other things. I only dreamed about Duke University playing basketball there and being at Cameron Indoor Stadium and doing all this stuff. I got a spanking when I was 11 because I painted, you remember, I painted the court royal blue. You didn't like it when you got home. <laughs> hey, praise the Lord. Somebody had to do it. I had this man that moved into my neighborhood in, um, in 1991. He moved into our neighborhood and we really didn't get to know him until the summer before my senior year. And he retired as a basketball coach of 35 years in the state of Ohio. And he would watch me, and I was shooting ball every single day that he would walk his dog up to our street. And he finally just came up. His name was Mr. Bradshaw. He finally just came up, and he'd tie his dog. He had a huge, long leash, and he'd tie his dog to a big tree in my yard. And he'd just say, let me see what you got. And I'd do stuff. I'd do stuff. And he finally said, can I show you a couple things? Well, of course I wanted to know. And he said, Mark, this is, I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, Mark, you're a really good shooter. You've got to learn how to shoot in rhythm. So what you mean, Mr. Bradshaw, in rhythm? I mean, I do just catch and shoot it. He said, yeah, but what about when there's pressure? What about at the end of a game when all the fans are waving their hands and there's pressure on you? What are you going to do then? He said, I don't care what you do, but let's practice free throws first. He said, I don't care if you dribble it on your nose and you spin it and you do whatever. Just do the same thing. Do the same thing. He said, I want you to have a repetition where you do the same thing. And so I would, three bounces. Every time I shot free throws, three bounces. And then I'd pause. And then I'd shoot. Bounce, 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 pause. Shoot, bounce. Shoot. My senior year in high school, I shot 87% from the free throw line. 87%. For a person that doesn't naturally have really good rhythm. And I could shoot it pretty well, too, because there's rhythm in three-point shooting. And I learned that if I catch it from my left side, if I received the ball from my left side, my percentage would go up by 10% because somehow my rhythm was more in sync there. So 
So on a secondary break, when I was trailing and I would catch it from this side, I was pulling because I learned rhythm. Everybody say rhythm. <laughs> Senior year in high school, there were two different games that the game came down to the end of the game. And we had a good team. And I was the guy taking the technical free throws because I could make them. And in some big games, in a region championship game, it was tied at the end of the game. And there were free throws that had to be made. And we had no business beating this team. I mean, no business at all beating Christ School. And I made the two free throws to win by one point. And there was pressure on the line. And everybody was looking at me. But this is what I want to teach you today. When the pressure gets going, most of the time, watch this, most of the time, and I know some of y'all don't know ball, but, but this is the truth. Most of the time, we like short arm it because we get nervous or we throw it too hard because we get nervous. But if you're in rhythm, you're not thinking about is this a one-point game. You're not, you're not thinking about all the people, 2,000 people in the stands. You're not thinking about anything else. You're just thinking bounce, 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 pause, shoot. Just like tens of thousands of shots I did in my backyard and in the gym, you get into a rhythm. Here's what I want to tell you today. There's a rhythm to godliness. There's a rhythm to walking by faith. I do not think everybody's rhythm has to be exactly the same. As a matter of fact, I would argue that it's probably not. I believe that God is setting a pace for your life that is different than my life. And I do not think that is bad. But I do believe there's a template to godliness. And I think he basically shows it to us. Should I stay or should I go? Should I take this job or should I not? Should I go to this college or should I go to that college? What should I do? Should I take this new job? Should I not take this new job? Should I marry her or not marry her? Some parents in here need to say, come on, somebody. Right? Or date even. What should I do? you got to learn God's rhythm. So I'm going to give you three things, three bounces, if you will, today that I want you to walk away with. Number one, do I have a word from God? Do I have a word from God? What do you mean by that? Did God tell you to do it? Pretty simple. Did God talk to you? In your gut, do you know God's pulling you in a direction? I want to show you what that looks like. In Matthew chapter 14, I want to show you what having a word from God looks like. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat before him and go to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And evening came and he was alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And at the fourth, fourth watch of the night, I've always loved saying that. I just think it's awesome to say 3 a.m. in that way. At, at 3 a.m. or the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the water. How many of y'all would be excited if y'all saw Jesus walking on the water? You wouldn't. You'd be afraid. You'd be like, hallelujah, what is that? Oh, my goodness, hallelujah. But when the disciples saw him, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. Help us, Jesus. They were scared. And they cried out in fear. Help me, Tom Cruise. He said, but immediately... Immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, if Jesus said this to us, we'd get mad. Y'all just need to be honest with me in here. I don't, 
if anybody's saying, when I think I see a ghost and my life's falling apart around me, now we can put ourselves in this context because we've probably never been on a big lake like this where we felt like our tiny little boat was going to capsize, but we felt like our life was falling apart because what we thought was going to happen is not happening and what's going on and where are you in this situation? Jesus, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And Jesus doesn't say, it's all good. I'm coming to you. I'm going to rescue you out of the situation. He just says, take heart. Jesus, what are you talking about? Take heart. Do not be afraid. Take heart. For some reason, I always read this in British accent. I can't really tell you why, but we'll just go with it. And Peter answered him. I think this is so fascinating because we dog Peter a lot about how funny he is and about how crazy he was, and he was ripping people's ears off and all this stuff. But I'm going to ask the other disciples who weren't as crazy as him, why weren't you talking to Jesus and getting out of the boat? And we can talk about that later. He said, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, give me a word. I'm not coming out of this boat until you tell me to come out of this boat. Because if I come out of the boat on my own, I'm not going to walk on water. (laughs) I don't know if y'all know that, but you can't walk on water. He said, but if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. Jesus said, come. I'm going to mess with y'all really bad in the next couple minutes. Y'all ready for this? The kingdom does not operate by pros and cons. When you are making a major decision in your life, if you have a pros and cons list, that's awesome, and that's what you've been taught your entire life, but that ain't how God works. God works with come or stay. God works with yes or no. God does not care what your preferences are, what your mommy and daddy think, or what anybody else in your life thinks. God cares about one thing, my word. That's the only thing he cares about. And if we try try to start thinking through, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Is this going to be? Is this not going to be? Then we're going to miss our destinies in Christ Jesus because we want to make sure everybody understands. Am I helping anybody? If Peter had gotten out of the boat right then, y'all, it was like a hurricane that was going on. I don't know if y'all noticed. I wouldn't do well in a hurricane. I can swim pretty good. That doesn't go well. But if God says, come on out, it doesn't matter what the storm is around you. And it says Peter got out of the boat. And Peter just started walking on the water. This is just a little side note. It's just a little nugget. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I would argue because of this that no one's ever walked on the water. Because other than these two, and maybe a magic trick that some of y'all have seen growing up, that one of those dudes that do magic tricks on a Fox special on Sunday nights because they want to do a magic at 9 p.m. Look, David Copperfield, I don't even know if y'all know who he is, but we used to watch him. He walked through the Great Wall of China when I was a kid. I thought it was cool. But he probably tried to walk on water one time, and they probably did a magic trick. But other than Peter and Jesus, no one's really walked on water. Which means no one's ever walked on water because Jesus, we just sang about this, Shannon. Where are you? You were the word from the beginning. Jesus was the word, and Peter walked on the word, and no one's ever walked on the water. They just walked on the word. Do you have a word from God? Because watch what happens when you take your eyes off of the word. It says, but when he saw, everybody say saw. That's an interesting word in the Greek because it means to perceive a reality that is exactly opposite of what God's called me to. Watch this, to perceive 
what my surroundings are really about different than what God has actually purposed in your life. Come, Peter. Come to me. At that moment, it did not matter how much the wind was crashing, which is crazy because if we put ourselves in the context of there's 10-foot waves crashing on us, we're going, I'm not cool with this. But the moment he looked at Jesus and said, that doesn't matter, he was safe. He didn't look safe. You know, that's the problem. When it comes to walking by faith, we want to look and feel. You don't have to feel anything. You don't have to look anything. You just have to be in the word. You have to be lined up with what he's called you to do. That's all you've got to do because our definition of safe and his definition of safe are two totally different things. What we perceive becomes what keeps us from our destinies in Christ Jesus. And all this is is I begin to have God's mind's eye, the insight to what he's called me to be. We walk by faith and not by sight. And when Peter started trying to walk by sight, guess what he did? I'm melting. He was in the, he was in the water. But it wasn't till then, because I promise you this, Peter could not walk by sight when he stepped out. Only a fool would step out of the boat or a person that got a word. Can I just challenge you for a second? Yes, I can. You can say yes if you want to, but I'm going to anyway. In your life, if you're never challenged to do what you never thought you'd do, and if people understand everything that you do, you've never been asked to walk by faith. You've never been asked to be stretched. If you play it safe your entire life, don't get mad at the Holy Spirit. Don't get mad at the Father. Don't get mad at the Word for not giving you what He promised you. He promised it to you. He's the Word. If it lines up with Scripture, He's already promised it to you. But the promises of God that are yes and amen are only promises. You have to walk in them. We believe God. It's really fun to say that we believe God, but when the pressure of the big situation comes around me, will I forget the rhythm that I know what I'm supposed to do because the waves are crashing around me? Because we can laugh if we want to. And no matter how old we get, y'all, this still exists. Peer pressure still exists. You can read social media and see how important it is that we are politically correct and understood. Forget that. I want to see that atmosphere change like we sang this morning. And I'm telling you right now, going with the flow has not changed any atmospheres. At least in my lifetime, I cannot talk about what I have not experienced. I can talk about what I've read, but that I didn't experience it. But in my 38 years, I've never experienced a really good atmosphere in our world. I've experienced hatred. I've, I've experienced discord. I've, I've experienced where we just gossip about each other constantly because as soon as the pressure comes on my life, I lose my rhythm. So do I have a word from God? Or maybe we could ask, am I sinking? Because I think this is fascinating. Jesus said, immediately he reached out his hand and took Peter up and saying, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? The only reason Peter doubted is because he let his circumstances dictate his word and not his word dictate his circumstances. I'm just going to tell y'all something. This is not anything to do with gifting because each one of you are deeply and amazingly gifted by God. And I can't tell you everybody's gift because I hadn't talked to you, hadn't looked at you. I don't even know. 
But you got a Holy Spirit in you that'll tell you what you're gifted at. But God's not impressed with your gift. He put it in you. <laughs> He's not up there going, that Mark. I'm so proud of him. He's preaching today. He don't need my preaching. He's the word. He don't need a word. <laughs> That's what he is. I think, you know, without faith, I can't get this out of my mind lately. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six, Impossible to please God. Faith is not standing on a stage and preaching. Faith is not passing out tracts or food. And I think that's wonderful. Those are, those are great things. Faith is, you say it and I'll do it. You say it and I'll do it. So bounce number one, when pressure comes, when I'm in a pressure-packed situation, will I continue to stay in rhythm with God? Do I have a word? Number two, do I have agreement? Everybody say agreement. Agreement. What does that mean? Does that mean that everybody in my life should agree that if God's called me to step out of the boat, that those 11 disciples should say, yes, you should? Is that what agreement is? Somebody talk to me. Nope. Nope. I believe personally that agreement is your spiritual overseers. So the people that pastor you or talk to you that, 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 you've, that you've, you've taken your life and you've said, I'm falling under you. You're not God. I don't have to pray through you. That's for dang sure. We have one high priest and his name's Jesus. But I trust you and I submit my life. In that way, I have authorities. And watch this. If I don't have authorities, Paul talked about this a lot. If I don't have authorities in my life, that's the problem. I'm just going to build my soapbox and I'll get right off of it. But y'all just listen to me. If you want to know what the problem in this country is, because we talk about it's the home, it, it is that, but it's really authority. It's really that we look at our parents, because there's a reason that Paul, over and over, when he listed the groups of sins that were causing damnation or separation or the fact that the kingdom couldn't come, that disobedient to parents is one of the big ones. I don't think that me obeying my dad and mom was the biggest thing that I'm going to reach my destiny. I think it was a picture of what I would posture myself as as I go forward because I constantly was bickering and tearing down people in authority figures and if that's your life I can promise you you don't have agreement in your life that does not mean that the people that that are in authority in my life are president I don't I don't have to call him when I'm gonna make a decision that's a different kind of situation but anyone in authority position anyone in an authority position I should not badmouth because I bring a curse on my own life when I'm bad-mouthing authority. It's quiet in here, but that's fine. I'm going to help you, and if you don't want to dribble, you don't have to dribble. You can just keep missing the free throws. Come on, somebody. Do I, have Do I have agreement? Here's what I think the biggest one is. In this case, for my life, it is the spiritual overseers who oversee my life. But I think even bigger than that, because this is the person that I've been called to run with for the rest of my life, and we share a home, and we share a bed, we share life together, and we share kids for a couple years till we get to send them off, praise the name of the Lord, until <laughs> it's my bride. See, this is where I think we get off is this is kind of like a dance. 
even though she can dance better than me. Some of y'all feel like I'm the, I'm the wife and I'm spiritually more mature than my husband, so there shouldn't be this at all. But just because she can dance better than me doesn't mean that there shouldn't be mutual submission. Because if we want to hold over each other's heads, well, I'm supposed to lo- or you're supposed to submit to me. And you're supposed to love me like Christ loved the church. That's great. You can keep going back and forth. But ultimately, there should be agreement in my marriage, which does not mean our brains have to think alike. Somebody should say amen to that one. Because if you're married, you're lying if you didn't say amen. Come on. Because we think different. Agreement is not your brain. Agreement is your heart. Agreement is I'm going to walk with you and trust you. We're linked together. We're yoked together. We trust each other. And ultimately, if in her gut she feels that it is deeply wrong, listen to me and don't miss this, if in her gut, not in her feelings, but in the depths of her soul, she knows something's wrong. Can I give you some examples? If I'm going to hire a personal assistant and my wife says, I'm not sure why, she's really nice. I just feel like something, I don't know. Something just doesn't, seem right to me. Do you know what I should do? Y'all better talk to me. I ought not do it. Because at that moment, I'm walking out of, I'm going to help y'all with this, I'm walking out of agreement. So I can have all the word that I want, but if I don't have agreement, I've walked out of the word. Because we get ourselves in trouble. Let me show you. In the Amplified Version of the Bible, and I recommend y'all read this because it really helps. It takes some of the Greek and some of the Hebrew and it just expounds on what the natural English Bible say. In Matthew 18, 19, and, and I've quoted this many times, I say to you, if any two agree, if any, if any two ag- agree on earth, whatever you ask, it'll be done. But, but the Amplified says, that is that you're of one mind and in harmony. I can be harmonious with you and not think just like you. Because we decide in Christ Jesus that we will walk together. And then when it comes to agreement, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven because it is tied to the will of God. I can't agree for a Ferrari today. Somebody better say amen to this one. I mean, I can all I want to, but I'm not going to get it. Why? Because that's not God's will for my life to accomplish the purpose that he put on us. But when we start walking in harmony together, boom, boom. No matter how much pressure comes at me, I can continue to walk by faith because we are agreeing. And I'm agreeing with some of y'all in this room for things. And it's not things that are outside of the scope of what God has called us to. We begin to know what the word is. We begin to both get the word and go, this is weird, but we both got the word in there. Now there's agreement, and so we're going to walk together. And all of a sudden, even though the pressure doesn't go away, I begin to feel it differently because I'm in rhythm. Number three, sorry, for where two, we've quoted this many times and y'all got to see this because we quote this out of context where two or three are gathered in my name, meaning meeting together as my followers, I am there also. That's in the context of agreement. I think it's amazing because God is with us always. So I want y'all to know the last one is, does this accomplish his will for my life? In other words, does this expand the kingdom of God? And do I know that God's called me to something because I keep getting the word? And if I can take an inventory because of agreement, and I can take an inventory and say, this may not be what I, listen, don't miss this, what I wanted to do. 
I may have had this school that I thought was for sure my school that I was supposed to go to, but I feel pulled toward that one. I may have had a dream girl that I thought I was supposed to be with, but for whatever reason, I can feel in my spirit, I know for sure that's not where I'm supposed to go, and that doesn't even make full sense, but I know this is God's purpose for my life. I know it is. How do you know? How do you know God's will? Paul kind of explained it in Romans 12. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers and my sisters, by viewing God's mercy or by the mercies of God. What is mercy? Mercy is me not getting what I deserve. What do I deserve? Listen to me. Don't miss this. This is the most important part of the message. You know what I think the problem with church is? I think a lot of times we think church is where good people get good, get good information so we can get gooder. I think it's where we think we're pretty good and we get some good stuff and we can just keep being gooder and gooder. And I know that's not a word. Can I tell you what Christianity is? It's dead people. That a God that deeply loves us decided to die by sending his own son so that we could be alive by exchanging our death for his life. He gave us his righteousness by becoming our sin. This is not about getting good and becoming even better. This is about receiving life every day by the mercies of God. This is, this is what the psalmist said, and this is what Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That means yesterday, if you sucked it up and you had a horrible day, guess what? On this day, on the second day of December, it is a new day. Why? Because God made this day and Jesus is good. And I'm not worried about what all you did yesterday. I'm worried that the goodness of God is new today. And then I get to walk by faith and not by sight. And God's not interested. And if I'm good, he's interested if I'm him, if I'm his, if I'm walking by faith and not by sight, if I'm submitting myself fully to him and his lordship. Boom, boom. But, the, but all this stress is coming around me, pastor. I don't know what to do. By viewing his mercy, you just say, God, I'm your living sacrifice, which it says is acceptable to him. That word means perfectly pleased with what you offer, which is your spiritual worship. And he says, don't be conformed. I think this is crazy, y'all. God's put this on my heart for so many years now. It drives me crazy. I mean, I, I, I can't think about other stuff. I look at the culture we're in. This is what Pastor Stephen and I talked about driving to Durham and back yesterday. I get so frustrated when an executive can walk into MTV or walk into a business tycoon with a bunch of billionaires and say, I want to start MTV in the 1980s and said, I'll get them to dress like this. I'll get them to do this. I can change the culture. Y'all just need to let me go for a second. I don't understand why we believe that this guy who just has money and a dream can accomplish something, but by offering God our lives as living sacrifices, he did not make you to fit in. You are not an accident. You're on purpose. And you're supposed to change atmospheres. There's a reason that God said you're light in a dark place. There's a reason God said you're salt and light. You're supposed to season every place you've been. You are an atmosphere changer, friend. Not just preachers. We jack atmospheres up sometimes while we're human. 
No man is perfect. No woman is perfect except the one that we worship. But when you offer yourself by saying the third dribble, boom, and then you take that pause, you're in rhythm. You're in rhythm. You're in rhythm. You say, I'm yours. It doesn't matter what else happens. I'm no longer conformed to the old way that I used to live my life. I'm now transformed every single day by, by the renewing of my mind. And not by testing. What's that mean? By pressure. Because I can say I can shoot in rhythm all I want to. Boom. Boom. But when you put pressure on me, that's when you really know if that system worked. That's when you really know that I'm in rhythm because you can wave those little things all you want to and you can make all the signs you want to, but when I'm in rhythm, the only thing I see is one, two, three, pause, <clears throat> shoot. And everybody's like, how does he do that? He must be just a great shooter. He must have great rhythm. Actually, he doesn't. He just learned how to listen. She just learned how to trust she just learned how to walk by faith. And your pace may not be my pace because some of y'all have been called to big things. So this is what your metronome is going to sound like. And people are going to think he's running too fast. So people in your life are going to say, Glenn, you need to slow down. This is too much. But you don't need to listen to them. Guess who you need to listen to? The word. And when you got agreement with your bride and you got agreement with who oversees your life, you just keep running. And some of y'all may feel like, I thought I'd be farther than this by now. I thought I'd be farther than this by now. How am I not farther than this by now? Stop worrying about that and you just keep walking. You just keep walking because I'm going to tell you something. You're going to wish you could walk slow sometimes in your life. Somebody better say amen to me. You better, I, I wish I could slow down. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. If you're in rhythm, if you're in rhythm, if you're in rhythm, nobody gets to tell you if this is right. Everybody will tell you that this is wrong. Don't you worry about what they're telling you. You listen to the word. That's how I'll be able to discern the will of God. What is good and acceptable. Watch this. I'm not good and I'm not acceptable, but because I became his. John 1:12 to those who believe he gave the right to be children of God. I'm not a child of God until I trust Jesus. And then I get the right. And then all of a sudden, what do you have to do? to be good in your life? Do you have to follow the 10 steps? Do you have to follow the 12 steps? No, sir, no, ma'am. I get to do this every morning. I sucked it up yesterday, Jesus. Some of y'all will be so embarrassed by my prayer time. I don't say thou wast O Lord. I cry out to him. I need help. I will not get emotional. I mean, some of y'all, maybe you, your lives are all together. I don't know. But there's times in my prayer time that I say, I don't know what to do. And I want to do all that you've got because I want your purpose accomplished. So just tell me and I'll do it. Just tell me and I'll do it. I feel like the world's crashing in around me. Because I know this is some of y'all. My family's left me. The people abandoned me that I, ne I thought never would. I know this is some of y'all. I feel that in my life for some of y'all. The waves are crashing. I don't know what to do. I just want to end with this because, y'all, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. And I, and I believe that the message version of Matthew 11 will change your life if you let it. Bounce, 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 pause. Whew. You can stay in rhythm. But it's his rhythm, not yours. Matthew 11, are you tired and worn out? 
and burned out on religion and you've done all the things on your own and you've tried to make this work and you can't figure out why it always feels off rhythm and everything's coming in around you. Have you done everything you can do and you feel like you're so offbeat? You, you're stepping on each other's feet and you don't know where to go? He says, watch this. Is this not crazy? The same thing that he said to Peter. He says to you, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. How many of y'all know you can stay in the bed for 10 hours and not feel rested at all? Because Hebrews 4 says, He is the Sabbath. He is my rest. He is my shelter. He is my refuge in whom I trust. My God is greater than all my fears. And it is not just good preaching once you start getting in rhythm. Watch this. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. He's not saying you need to figure this thing out. God does not need us to figure anything out. He's got the whole world. He knows how to do it all because he created it all. He said, just watch me and walk with me. Can I just tell you something, friends? God's purpose for your life is pretty simple. Walk with me. We get focused so much on, I thought I was going to accomplish. God already knows what you've accomplished because he's been where you're going. He just needs you to take a walk with him. And every day keep walking. And every day keep dancing. And every day stay in rhythm. Stop trying to figure it out. He said, y'all, this is so good. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting at you. And if you feel like there's a burden on you that's too big to carry, it's probably because you out-chased God or you stayed, you stayed put because it only gets ill-fitting if you aren't walking in the footsteps of your father. But once you take, like a daddy walking on the beach, if that sand is on fire or that coal is too hot, when my dad has stepped in that and it's clean and smooth, no longer do I have to worry about those steps are too hard. I just get to step in step with him. And now he's taking all the burden. He's taking all the heat. Most of us look and say, wow, this is a really great thing that you've called me to. Come on, hurry up, Jesus, let's go. And it's because you thought you'd be farther than you are at this age. Or because of fear, that's too hard. You tell me when it's safe, but I'm not gonna jump in. That's the deep end, Jesus. He said, just trust me. Just keep in rhythm. Keep in rhythm. Keep in rhythm. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come on, somebody. I believe today is your day to let some things get thrown off because this is how we put skin on we believe God. It is not about you. <laughs> it's not about Mark. This world is not my world that I hope everybody can revolve around. This world is, I'm yours. You call me to do whatever you call me to do, and I'm going to do it. Y'all, he's called all of us to that, not just one guy, not just one family. Each one of us are missional because why? God called us to live here right now, and as we live here, every situation we get in, every time we go into the office, every time we go into the ball game, every single person that we see, we get to, we get to, not got to, we get to show them the great love of God. 
And if you had the worst week of your entire life, I got news for you that is amazing. His mercies are new today. Your situation still may be there. You still may have a deadline this week that you don't know how you're going to meet. Stop trying to figure it out. That is ill-fitting. And let him, let him, let him help you walk through it. Step in step with him. Use and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He is good. And he's great. And you can trust him. You can trust him. Will you bow your heads? I just need to know in this room how many people need to surrender their hearts to Jesus. Listen to me. I'm not going to draw this out, but I believe there's some of you in this room that you've known about God, but you've never stepped out on the word. Paul said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again and he is who he says he is, he is your Savior and Lord, you are saved. That's the very first step of getting in this dance with Jesus. That's how you marry the groom, by saying, I want you to be the lover of my soul. I love you back, Jesus. I wonder if there's any of you today that feel like you've been running a race all on your own and you're tired. You're ready to surrender to him. If that's you, just throw your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Come on, wherever you are in the room, just say, that's me. Throw it up and let me see it. That's me. That's me. That's me. For the rest of you, I'm not going to ask you to respond. I want you to have a chance to pray with some people who I trust, our prayer team and our awesome Next Steps team. But I believe there's some of you that need to come down here and say, God, you've been calling me to something and I've been staying in the boat, but I'm ready to step out because I trust you. I don't care if anybody else gets in that water. If you've called me with a word, I don't have to worry about the water. I'll walk by faith. I trust you. I'm ready to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So, so if that's you, I just want you to make this your altar around the baptismal tub. You can go to the prayer wall in the back if you need someone to pray over you. But I know there's people in this room. I can see your faces. I know there's people in this room that desperately need a word from the Lord. So God, it's real fun to talk about faith, but it costs a lot. It costs my comfort zone. It costs, it costs what peers think. hard, God, but it's so much sweeter. God, the only thing we want for the rest of our lives is to learn how to follow your lead as we dance in rhythm with you, showing the world, not by talking better than people, not by acting better than people, but simply bringing your culture to this earth. As ambassadors of Jesus, we represent you as our king everywhere we go. But that can't happen if we try to do it on our own. So, Lord, we trust you. We trust you. And we submit our hearts fully to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Y'all stand and sing with us.